Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. morning and uh, welcome, welcome to Coastal Community Church. Uh, I am Pastor Chris and uh, thank you for joining us here today and uh, thank you for tuning in and being a part of our service uh, online. Let's just jump right in. I'm excited about today's message. Already been a great service. Um, If you have kids, okay, you know that they are reflections of you right? Everybody knows that. They not only look like you, you know, sometimes they talk like you, they walk like you, they will stand like you, they will sigh like you, they even sleep like you, right? So for good or for bad, they do what they see as children, and then other people who are watching will say, wow, that's your daughter, right? That's your son. They, they are definitely your kids. Well, let me tell you a little story. So when my son, who is now, by the way, like a grown married man, but when he was like three years old, Christopher, uh, my wife Janet was uh, folding clothes, uh, uh, folding the laundry like in the living room, and uh, she handed Christopher, our three-year-old son, some dirty clothes, and she told him to put them where we put our dirty clothes, okay? Pretty simple instruction. Now, uh, in our home, that would have meant that he would have just gone through our bedroom, which was like the next room, into our bathroom, and everybody knows that we have a closet in there with like a dirty clothes basket. That's where the dirty clothes go in our house. Well, later that day, my wife Janet discovered that Christopher, our son, had taken the dirty clothes into our bedroom and then dumped them on my side of the bed. Okay, now... It was then that I knew that my son was messed up, okay, that he must have had some sort of, you know, learning disability or something, because there's no way, I mean, there's, you know, no way would he ever think that we dump our dirty clothes on my side of the bed. I have no idea why he did that. Now, you all know why he did that, right? We all know exactly why, like father, like like son. So here's my question for all of us today. How will people in this world know that you're a child of God? That God has transformed your life. That you're a daughter of the King. That you're a son of the King. That your Father is the Heavenly Father. The answer? Your fruit. Your fruit. That's what this series is all about, right? The fruit of the Spirit. In Matthew 7, 16, Jesus said it like this. You can identify them by their what? Fruit. That is, by the way they act. Now, what does that look like? What does that fruit look like? How do followers of Jesus, how are we supposed to behave? Well, the good news is we know Galatians 5, 22 and 23 actually spells it out for all of us. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that is how we are identified as belonging to the family of God, the fruit of the Spirit. And so today, the the identifying marker, the identifying fruit that I want us to talk about is this third one, peace, peace. 
You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, probably Jesus' most famous teaching, he said this in Matthew 5, 9. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called what? The children of God. So, Jesus says that, you know, you want to live the life that God blesses. Jesus says that those who pursue peace and make peace, uh, you know, are blessed. So why? Well, because in bringing resolution to conflict, in uniting those who were once divided, and staying committed to relational harmony, he says that we are a reflection of our Heavenly Father. And that people will look at us and say, well, they must be a child of the King. They're just like their daddy. Listen, the, the message of peace, it literally dominates the entire Bible. Okay? You know, it opens with peace in the Garden of Eden. It closes with peace in the book of Revelation, talking about peace for all eternity. It contains more than 400 references to peace, describing either you know, the peace of God, the peace with God, or peace among other people. The Bible, in fact, refers to God as the God of peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And in John 14, 27, Jesus tells us that the peace that he gives to his followers uh, is a gift. And, this is important, that it's different from the peace of this world. That it's different. Listen to what he says. John 14, 27. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So it's obvious from beginning to end, God wants his people to be a people of peace. Now, before we go much further, though, let's talk about how the peace that Jesus offers is different than the peace of this world. Two truths about God's peace, if you're taking notes. First of all, number one, peace is not the absence of conflict. Okay, not Jesus' peace. It's not the absence of conflict. In fact, other translations of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9, say, blessed are the peacemakers. Okay, peacemakers. Now, Peacemaking is not the same as peacekeeping. Okay, peacemaking, you know, really assumes that there, there is going to be conflict that needs to be resolved. What is peacekeeping? Peacekeeping. You know, in a lot of homes today, uh, in a lot of relationships, there is this constant underlying unresolved level of conflict. And, uh, we, you know, we don't really do anything about it. We just kind of sweep it under the rug. We don't say anything because we don't want to disturb the what? The peace. You know, keep the peace at all costs. Listen, that's not peace. And that's not being a peacemaker. Peacemakers confront conflict in a loving way and they seek to resolve it. So Jesus isn't talking about peace at any cost. You know, just doing, you know, whatever someone else wants to keep the peace. Pursuing peace is not pretending that we never disagree. You know, it's not living in some fantasy land where, you know, disagreements never surface or conflicting positions are never shared or discussed. 
You know, we're, we're not talking about, you know, hiding our concerns to protect this false notion of unity. That's not peace. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Now, what does it mean when he says there to make every effort? Well, I think it means that it takes effort, right? And that we, we must face our disagreements and be willing to deal with them in a godly way. And I think every marriage needs to hear this today. Okay, every marriage, every relationship. The true mark of peace is not, listen to me, it's not the absence of problems. It's not the absence of conflict. It is the presence of a reconciling spirit. It's the commitment that we make to one another that enables us to walk through those differences. It's knowing that, hey, nobody's going to bail here just because we have some disagreements. Now, that's not always easy, is it? And sometimes, it is even impossible. This isn't heaven. We're on this side of eternity. And sometimes people... Do bail. But in those times, I think all we can do is examine our own heart and our own actions and then be willing to walk out the truth of Romans 12, 18. Listen to this. If it is possible, you know what that means? Sometimes it's not. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Guys, let's, um, let's just be honest today. There is way, way too much divorce. And I'm not just talking about husbands and wives. I'm talking about the fallout between brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm talking about the fallout in families in general, sometimes in churches, or among people who once called themselves friends. You see, if we want to experience the fruit of peace, then we've got to be vigilant about keeping our relationships with each other healthy. And I think we also have to recognize that our enemy, Satan, thrives on dissension and division. And so we've got to keep short accounts. And we've got to be willing to confront gossip when we see it. What is gossip? Gossip is, you know, you talking about a situation or people when you're neither a part of the situation or the solution. And you say, oh, Pastor Chris, I can't help it. You know, people just come to me with their issues or problems. No, you're a garbage dump and people are coming to you and dumping their garbage. And you keep receiving it. And if you would just say one time to that person or those people, hey, let's call so-and-so right now and let's bring them into this conversation. You know, have you talked to them yet? It would nip it in the bud. You know, sometimes being a peacemaker is turning over the tables in the temple, so to speak. Sometimes it's telling that person that, you know, those words and those actions 
aren't acceptable. Blessed are the peacemakers. Those who take conflict and resolve it in a godly way. Number two, peace is also more than just the absence of activity. Okay? The absence of activity. Now, we, we often use the phrase, peace and quiet, to refer to you know, our need to slow down. And listen, that's, that's, that's a good thing. But I think we have to at least recognize that God's peace, the peace that he offers believers, is far more than just less activity. Okay? God's peace is not just, you know, getting away from it all. You know, that's called a vacation. Okay, sometimes that's great, and that's awesome, and we all need that. But, you know, you may go on vacation, you may get away from it all from time to time, but then you come right back, right? Well, God offers the peace right where you are. So what is it exactly? How does the Bible define peace? Well, I believe that it's actually connected to the Hebrew word uh, shalom. Shalom, that's a, a term that probably most of you are familiar with in some way, but it's not actually a very easy word to translate because we don't have an adequate equivalent in English. So typically, shalom means something like peace in the sense of fulfillment, uh, contentment, well-being. It also conveys this idea of being uh, whole, okay, wholeness, even beauty. And uh, it, it is a wholeness and a harmony that is connected then to your relationships, okay, especially your relationship with God but also your relationship with other people. In fact, Jewish rabbis would tell you that shalom signifies this sense of well-being on the inside that wells up and spills out onto the outside. And it's one of the richest blessings of life. In fact, in number six, God gives Moses these words to use when he's blessing the people. And you're familiar with, some, with, with this blessing, many of you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you shalom peace so if shalom is about wholeness the opposite of that would be division a divided mind a mind in pieces do you know what word is often translated in the new testament as divided mind worry worry is the opposite of peace you know, it's, uh, think about it this way. You know, peace is whole, complete. Worry is a mind in pieces. Divided mind. Shalom is about being at peace with yourself, with others, and with God. So today, I want to tell you a story from the Old Testament, probably a story many of you maybe might not be familiar with, you know, unless you've read through the Bible in a year. You probably haven't been in Second Chronicles in a, in a while. But I want to tell you a story uh, that illustrates what happens in a person's life when they're filled with peace. And uh, it's the story of a man named Asa, okay? So he was king of Judah and a descendant of King David. And uh, while there was constant war and conflict in the kingdom before his reign and after his reign, there was this long stretch of peace during his reign. Why? Well, because he obeyed three principles or directives from God that not only changed the course of his life, but also the course of the entire nation. 
And I think the principles apply to us today. So follow along as I read 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa and all of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by, him, by them. In those days it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Principle number one, peace is knowing that God is with me. Peace is knowing that God is with me. So Asa really has been given the most challenging job in the entire country, king. But it's not just to, to be king, it's to be king and restore peace to a nation where everybody, the Bible says, is living in fear. You know, it, it was a time uh, in which the Bible literally says of, of great turmoil. You know, city rising up against city, nation against nation. People were living in fear. People were afraid to travel. Does that sound familiar, by the way? But Asa is also given the promise that the Lord is with you. You see, again, I think we need to be reminded that peace is not the absence of conflict or turmoil in your life. It's a confidence in the one who is with you. The prophet says to Asa, listen to me. The Lord is with you. You know what? Sometimes that's my job. As a pastor, sometimes that's my job to, you know, to kind of stand up here and just to be the one in your life who says, listen, I know, I know things are tough in your life right now. I know it seems as though everything is crumbling around you and, and it's the, the world is in turmoil, but the Lord is with you. Be strong. Don't give up. But we forget that, don't we? You know what? Even the disciples did. In the New Testament, sometimes they forgot that Jesus, okay, who'd been with them for a long time at this point, the Prince of Peace, was right there with them. In Mark chapter 4, it says this, And leaving the crowd, they took uh, him with them in a boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was filling. But, as, but he was in the stern, listen to this, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, What? Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Coastal, listen. Here's the point. Peace is a person. It's Jesus. It's, it's not the absence of going through conflict or storms. Peace is knowing 
that Jesus is right there with you in the middle of it. Back to King Asa, beginning in verse 8. When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah, son of Obed, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. And then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who had settled among them for large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15 year of Asa's reign. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle, 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and soul. Principle number two. Peace is seeking God's face. It's seeking God's face. Remember earlier the prophet uh, told Asa, if you seek God, he will be found by you. But if you keep forsaking him, he will forsake you. Now what does that mean? Well, what exactly did Asa do as a result of that? Well, the Bible says that Asa obeys God and basically cleans house. He repents. He, he gets rid of all the idols and all the things that, had, that had, were getting in the way of them worshiping God. And he restored worship of the holy God. In other words, he puts God back in his proper place. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded that um, achieving peace and seeking God's face, you know, it's, it's not this passive state of mind where we all just kind of sit in a lotus position and om, om, you know, contemplate the lint in your navel or something. That's not peace. Peace is active. It, 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 it includes being obedient to God. It includes repentance. It might mean that you've got to clean out anything in your life that, that you've replaced him with. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You know, sometimes I think we miss out on God's peace because we really haven't sought him. And I think sometimes what we're doing is we're just seeking the benefits of knowing God, but not God himself. Now what do I mean by that? You know, those of you who are married, we all want to be happy, happily married, right? Everybody wants that. Everybody wants a great marriage. But are you willing then to center your marriage on God? Are you willing to make worship and prayer a, a focal point you know, in, in your marriage? Are you willing to deny yourself for the sake of your spouse? Men, are you willing to serve your wife and give your life up for her like Jesus did for the church? That's peace. You know, we all want God to, to bless our careers, right? Bless my business. But are you willing then to work as though the Bible says you're working for the Lord Jesus himself because he's your boss? You don't work for a paycheck. You don't work for the man. You work for the man, Jesus Christ. Are you willing to come in early, stay late, work with integrity? You know, we say we want God to bless our finances. You know, take care of me, you know, uh, my money, my finances. But are you willing to deny yourself? Live within your means. 
Are you willing to give God the first fruits of your income? And what I mean by that very practically is, are you willing to tithe? Give God the first 10% right off the top. We want to be blessed. But we're not willing to do the things that Jesus said, even in the, in the rest of these Beatitudes here, you know, back to Matthew 5, 9, where he, where he says, we'll lead to a blessed life. Which are what? Loving when you want to hate. Forgiving when you want revenge. Showing humility when pride, you know, creeps up. Doing the right thing even when it's hard. Guys, what I'm saying is that, you know, none of this happens by accident. You know, it happens when we are intentional and we seek God and we act on what we know God wants us to do. You know, it's one thing to come in here and, on Sunday and we got the almost like a pep rally for Jesus, right? You know, and you're thinking, man, I'm seeking God. No, really seeking God happens out there Monday through Saturday. You know, when you're at work, at home, where you live, work, parent, and play. Let's continue. Back to our story. Second Chronicles 15, beginning in verse 15. They sought, they sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. Principle number three, peace is the fruit of knowing God. It's the fruit of knowing God. What's the result of, of doing this, of seeking and obeying God? There is peace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. This is a great passage. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all He has done. Then then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Man, that's such a powerful verse. It's saying that experiencing God's peace comes from trusting God, casting all your worries on Him, giving thanks it's it's his peace it says that that guards our hearts and keeps us from being gripped uh, by the fear and the worries that can strangle us and, and here the word literally means to be strangled and he, what he's saying is listen that's not god's you know plan for you that's not his desire for you he wants you to be free from all of that and it says here that his peace will guard your hearts and your minds the word guard there it's actually a military term that means to set a military garrison in in place for your protection in other words when, when god's peace comes into your life it acts as this supernatural powerful garrison guarding and protecting your heart and your mind against the enemy attack and it keeps away those things that could that could strangle you you know all throughout the bible it talks about two kinds of peace peace with god and the peace of god and so far for the most part we've been talking about the peace of god 
that comes after we have peace with God. What is peace with God? You know, sometimes uh, people ask somebody who's dying, have you made your peace with God? Right? Maybe you've heard that. Have you made your peace with God? Now, I know they mean well, but I want you to listen to me very, very carefully this morning. You and I, in and of ourselves, we cannot make peace with God. You and I, in and of ourselves, we cannot make peace with God. Jesus has already made it. Listen, and we come to God, we come into a love relationship with Him by accepting His terms of peace. His terms, His way, not ours. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of all the good things that I've done. Doesn't say that, does it? We have peace with God by all the times I've been to church. We have peace with God because my parents are believers. It doesn't say that, does it? By faith, we have peace with God because of what, who? Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Now, this might sound shocking to some of you. But before becoming a Christian, you were not at peace with God. The Bible teaches just the opposite. You are in opposition to God because of your sin. And that is why so many of you aren't experiencing peace in your life right now. You are still at odds with God because of your sin. And that's why Jesus came into the world. He lived a perfect life. He died a brutal death on a cross. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. It was recorded in human history. It was witnessed by literally hundreds and hundreds of people. He proved that he was God. He proved that he could forgive your sin and mine. And if you've never put your faith in Christ, you are still at war with God. And it's your time to surrender to his terms those are his terms you come to him only one way by faith in christ maybe that's why you're here today now i know some of you think you're here because your spouse dragged you here um but it might be that you're here because you don't have peace there's turmoil in your life conflict pain and problems, unrest, and you don't know why. Here's why. You're still at war with God. Peace with God enables you to have the peace of God. Another way to say that is that you can't have the peace of God until you know the God of peace. And so as we close today, I want to give you the opportunity to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life by faith. You know, maybe you've got all the trappings of this world. Got a nice home, got a good job. You know, got all the stuff that goes along with that. But if you are honest, when it's just you 
alone at night with your thoughts, if you're honest, you'd say you're empty. And listen, that's by design. God designed you in such a way that nothing besides a relationship with Him will ever satisfy you. Maybe you're here and life has not turned out the way you hoped. God wants you to know that He loves you and that His Son Jesus died for your sin and He still wants to work in your life and He still has a plan for you and He still has a purpose for you. He is not, He is not finished with you yet. Maybe you're here today and something very terrible has happened in your life. And as a result, you are in a lot of pain. Our Heavenly Father's heart breaks for you. He understands your pain. He did not cause that tragedy, but if you let Him, if you let Him, He has this miraculous ability to bring about good even from your pain and to use it in a powerful way. God can use anything and everything in our lives to draw us to Him. Maybe you're here today and you are a believer. You know the Lord. But you've walked away from Him. God wants you to know that His arms are open wide. And he's just waiting on you to come home. And I hope you'll do that today. Listen, the invitation is not to religion or a bunch of rules. It's into a relationship with Jesus because he is the only one who can change your life and give you his peace. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, the God of peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. The Holy Spirit who enables us to live lives of peace. Thank you. Listen, if you're here right now and you are ready to accept God's terms of peace, Today's the day. Just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit it. I have blown it. I have, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I know it. I've been searching. I've been trying to fill that void in my life with a lot of different things other than you. But today I humbly bow before you and I asked Jesus to come into my life, to sit on the throne of my life. I, I stepped down and I asked Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, I believe that He went to the cross for me. I believe that He rose from the dead. I believe that He's alive. And God, for the rest of my life, I just want to follow Him. I want to become more and more like you see me right now. Your son, your daughter, forgiven in your sight. And Father, I pray right now for those who are here that um, 
have some uh, relationships that need to be reconciled. I pray for the spirit of peace to reign. I pray that as much as it depends on us, that we would do the hard work of reconciliation. And that we would be marked by your peace. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.